You are listening to the Domestic Life Podcast, created for foodpreneurs everywhere. If this is your first time listening, thanks for coming. It is deliciously produced every week for your enjoyment. Show notes can be found at savorv.com. Now let's get into the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Foodpreneur with the Domestic Life. I am your host, V. Peyron, also known as Domestic Queen V, and today I have an awesome show for you. I am going to be chatting it up with Chef Padua, and he is more than amazing, and he's going to tell you a little bit about himself because I don't want to spill all the tea, but he has served some of your greats like Joe Biden. He's been on Food Network and all of those amazing things. So welcome to the show, Chef Padua. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing actually delicious today. <laughs> yes, I love that. We're doing delicious too. So I mentioned a little bit about you, but I like for people to just explain who they are because you know yourself best. So tell me just a little bit about yourself. Well, a little bit about me. Um, of course, I'm a native Washingtonian. I'm the youngest of seven. I'm really passionate about baking. Um, I've been baking well over 20 years. Wow. I really, really enjoy spending time outside of the kitchen as well. I do a lot of things uh, um, involved in the community and travel and get away and things like that. I always like to enjoy uh, to stop and smell the roses. The older I get, the um, the more um, I try to make a commitment to myself just to do things outside of the kitchen, you know, so... Right, absolutely. Relax outside and standing in that kitchen making all that greatness. (laughs) Yeah, because, you know, just being a creative person, sometimes you have to kind of stand out of your normal surroundings Mm -hmm. and just kind of absorb life because I think most of the things that really inspire me is usually life and people and, you know, what people are eating. So sometimes you just have to stop and observe and, you know, just take a deep breath and things like that, so... Absolutely. So the name, Sugar Chef, how did you get that nickname? You know, it's interesting because when I first started pursuing, um, well, you know, starting my own business, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I kind of tossed around different names. And at the time, I was a pastry chef at this restaurant downtown. And a guy that was from the Midwest, he would always call me Sugar Chef. And he was like, why do you keep calling me Sugar Chef? Is that because you make all the sweet stuff? And, right. you know, he's like, because you make all the sweet stuff. And, and I just started thinking, and I was tossing all these different names, and I just kept coming back to that. And I was a little right. nervous about putting it out there, but I was like, you know what? It describes me. It's what I do. I ran it across, you know, my little uh, panel of advisors, so to speak. And mm-hmm. um, everybody liked it. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to move forward with this name. So... That's awesome. So you are definitely Sugar Chef. I love seeing that pop up on my Instagram. I'm like, check out Sugar Chef. What are you doing? (laughs) So (laughs) with all of the industries out there, um, even within the food industry, what attracted you to the pastry industry specifically? Well, you know, it's interesting how I got my start because, um, you know, I was a young kid growing up in the northeast corridor of D.C., and, you know, the youngest of seven, I would always, you know, we would always helping my mom out, and I would be the one mm-hmm. that usually ended up in the kitchen. So I would be right. helping my mom to do, you know, snapping peas and helping her peel her sweet potatoes or potatoes and helping her make her sweet potato pies and rolls and things like that. And so 
when I was in high school, I got a job at a restaurant downtown and, you know, washing dishes. And, you know, when you're not washing dishes, you're peeling, slicing, and dicing onions and just all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So, um, I would bring uh, desserts in for, you know, I would make little mixes or I would try recipes and then I would bring them in for right. the pastry chef to try or it didn't work out or I changed something and then she just started teaching me about the little fundamentals of baking and then after a while I was promoted to doing garmage type of work and then she was like, you know what, just help, come and help me on the weekend. So I would help, start helping mm-hmm. her uh, part-time. So she taught me how to use a scale and she taught right. me about flavor profiles and things like that. So that's really how I kind of, I kind of got into the pastry industry. It's something that I've always loved to do, um, especially mm-hmm. helping my mom make her pies because I'd be the one mixing her pies, you know, <laughs> potatoes with the hand mixer and stuff like that. So, you know, it kind of started that. You know, I think once I got into the restaurant, it just kind of, um, you know, my passion for baking was, you know, kind of, you know, it was dormant. And then once I started working in the business, I was like, you know what, it just kind of woke it up. So. Mm-hmm. Gave you that extra push. So being the youngest of seven, I'm an only child. So I'm like, whoa, so what was that like? Did you work with any of your family members now? Like, what was it like growing up as the youngest in a house of seven children? Well, um, it's interesting because, you know, all my sisters and brothers, because they're a lot older than me, some of them, we were all running home at the same time. <laughs> so, okay. Um, <laughs> it turns out that once I was started baking and doing little cakes for the family and stuff like that, my youngest sister, who usually we kind of bump heads a lot, you know, usually the sister mm-hmm. brother thing. She right. was my she was my best critic because I would do oh, wow. like look at a magazine and I would do little things, and she would say, "No, it needs more of this, and it needs more of that." I don't even know mm-hmm. if she's still aware of that, but. <laughs> it just turns out that she was my biggest critic, so she would just kind of help me to kind of hone my skills in terms of, like, duplicating work or um, mm-hmm. just maybe adding my own slant and own interpretation of some things that I may have seen or, you know, in a magazine or whatever. So it's, it, it was interesting, believe it or not. And then my mother would try some of my things. She'd say, okay. And, you know, my <laughs> uncle, I would make my peach cobbler. She loved my peach cobbler, so, uh, you know, so... You know, you kind of get a little bit of everything from your sisters and brothers and your family. Right. Okay, so we know that there are so many baked goods out there, not just baked goods. There are so many people calling themselves pastry chefs or doing pastries. What makes you unique in the field? Well, what makes me most unique is that not only am I giving you my heart and soul and and I'm passionate about what I do, it's something that I, I think I was really born to do. I think that I've heard from, you know, several celebrities that sometimes you would put on this earth to do things. I know I've mm-hmm. always been creatively driven. And like right. when I was in high school and junior high, I tried different things. And I was like, I always went back to food. So with me, right. not only are you getting someone who's passionate about what they do, I'm giving you my heart and my soul in a dessert. So I think that's what makes it, you know, makes me unique. And then, hey, you have a great personality and all those right. other good things. <laughs> Right. I think that's right. what makes Great personality, most unique. TV on the eyes, all right. that other stuff. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so when it comes to baking and doing the things that you create, what do you find most challenging about what you do? Um, 
What I find most challenging is I think sometimes working with clients that you really don't know. Mm, and, okay. and what's most challenging about that is that I want the experience to be, of course, a great one. But I also want to exceed their expectations because I think sometimes, you know, you not only do I have repeat clients, but I also have new clients coming to me as well. So when a new client approaches me, they may say, okay, well, you know, growing up, another challenge I have, I think, are ethnic desserts. So they may say, growing up, you know, I may be from Africa and growing up, you know, my right. grandmother used to make this milk tart and blah, 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 blah. So it's really kind of hard, you know, it kind of puts a little more stress. Or me to try to do a good job in my own, not only my own interpretation of this dish, but also to exceed their expectations, but also right. treasure the memory of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll tell, I'll tell you, if someone comes to me and say, oh, can, you know, can, I really want a sweet potato pie. My mom used to make sweet potato Well, I'm not really your mom, but I'm going to give you the mm-hmm. best that I could do. So I think sometimes that's, that's, that's the hardest. And also doing ethnic dishes. That's really hard, too, because, again, you know, you, you may encounter people from different countries and different places, and they may come to you and want you to recreate this dessert. And, again, it's my job to try to give you the best that I possibly can give and my best interpretation of this dish. It may not be like your grandmother's or it may not be like, um, you know, whatever country you're from, but I'm going to do my mm-hmm. best to make it delicious, make it beautiful, and also kind of, um, you know, kind of make you reminisce about, uh, you know, when you were a kid eating this dessert or when you were back home eating this dessert. So, yeah. Okay. And I definitely, so this leads into my next question. You know, in every field, like let's say there's great singers, you know, we don't know all of the great singers. We only know about the ones who put themselves out there the best. So when it comes to being a pastry chef, there are tons of pastry chefs, but they're not on the level that you're on. What type of networking do you do as a pastry chef that you feel helps yourself as an entrepreneur as well as your business? Um, I think the best networking thing that I do, um, I try to do a lot of different types of events. And so you Mm -hmm. get to see what different chefs are doing from different restaurants and different regions and things like that. So um, I think that's the best thing that I try to do um, is, just to try to do, you know, diversify yourself as much as you possibly can, especially, especially in your professional life. Um, you want to be right. able to do, you know, you want to be able to do your community, your immediate community things, but also maybe do something that's outside of your community to help somebody else or to do this charity event or to do that. And I think that's, you know, one of the best networking things that I try to do. Absolutely. So when it comes to, like, ideas, having maybe – a new idea to add a little more flavor of this or to come up with a new design. How do you keep coming up with fresh ideas as a pastry chef? Excuse me. You know, this is the type of business, like any creative business, whether you're doing hair or you're a carpenter or you're an artist Mm -hmm. or you're, you know, painter or whatever, this is the type of industry that you really never stop learning. And the minute that you stop learning – or you felt like you've done it all, then I think maybe it's time for you to get out of the business. <laughs> because baking, I mean, really, baking is, I mean, I graduated from culinary school years ago, but baking mm-hmm. is something that, you know, it's a skill that you can constantly get better at, whether it's, um, you know, making sure your lines are straighter or you're constructing this cake better or, 
you know, um, you know, just a different way of doing things that you may have done a certain way for many, many years. So I try to stay fresh because I'm always looking at, um, you know, magazines, um, always reading food sections like the New York Times, the Washington Post. Um, mm-hmm. That way I can kind of see what the food trends are and what other people are eating. Um, looking at different restaurant menus. Uh, just, you know, just reading cookbooks. I think you can never stop reading, never stop checking right. out recipes, never stop, you know, trying different recipes or giving a, a different interpretation of a recipe that you've always done a certain way. So those are some of the things that I try to, some of the tra- ways that I try to keep my ideas fresh. Or there's sometimes, you know, I have friends that travel different places or they try out the, you know, the, the latest, uh, you know, the hottest restaurant. And they say, oh, you know what, part I am. I, my coworker did it to me the other day, and she was like, "You know, I went to New York, and Magnum mm-hmm. had a pop, had a pop up shop. You know those Magnum ice cream bars, right? Said, you know, this would be really, really cute if we did it this way, if we did it that way. So we started coming up with little different ideas to try to not necessarily recreate their their idea, but just to kind of mm-hmm. put a different spin on it and maybe use as opposed to an ice cream bar, we can do something else." So. Mm, and now I want some. Thanks a lot. I'm about to go to the store. And get some. <laughs> <laughs> so along your baking journey, I'm sure you have a ton of memories, whether they were good or bad memories or memories. What are some of the best baking memories you have? The best baking memories mm-hmm. is um, uh, one of the best ones is. It was many years ago, and I had gotten my very first, well, it was a restaurant that I was a pastry chef at, and sometimes when you're in a pastry chef position um, and you develop a menu and a restaurant opens, you may have to work out the kinks like anything else. You, wanna, you know, you may right. have to perfect this dish and try it over and over again or just to see what the reaction is from different clients. So it was a couple of things on the menu that I wasn't necessarily happy with, but the chef mm. loved him, so he wanted to keep him on the menu. So it was a constant <laughs> battle with him <laughs> about right. getting these desserts removed from the menu. And um, I came in. I mean, the restaurant critic came in from the Washington Post. He tried, I think, like four or five desserts, and I think he liked three out of the five. And the right. two that he didn't, the two that, um, I think it was, I can't remember if it was Phyllis Richmond or Tom Seaton, it was one or the other. And the two that he didn't like were, of course, the desserts that I wasn't so <laughs> happy about. So right. I was a little disappointed about that. And I'm just, like, looking at the chef like, you know, I told you we should have um, taken these desserts off the menu. Or let me take something off the menu, put something back on, and let me rework them, and then we can put them back on. Right. And so, you know, I coached. I came home, and I was very, very disappointed and whatever. So I ended up, my mother was, you know, she we talked about it, and... um she made the dessert. She was like, okay, let's do it. Let's try it. And we ended up mm-hmm. getting in the kitchen, and we made the dessert, and it turned out wonderfully. Yeah. So that was, that was one of my favorite, right. favorite, favorite memories, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about memories. Sweet Genius. How was that experience? Was it everything you imagined it would be, or what was it like? Well, you know, Sweet Genius was my first, um, experience at, at being on Food Network. It was, um, you know, when I was in culinary school, I wouldn't say that I was necessarily a competitive person. 
So mm-hmm. being on Sweet Genius was the very first time that I had um, that I had ever been into been in a um, competitive arena like that, like an atmosphere. Right. So um, you know, it challenged me to uh, work a little harder, memorize, try to memorize my recipes as much as I can, but that doesn't always work. <laughs> but um, right. you know, it was a wonderful experience. I had a chance to meet Ron Ben Israel, and that was a great Ooh. experience. I had a chance to you know just to go to the production studio and to do all these wonderful things. So it was a great experience and, um, you know, it was an opportunity of a lifetime. So it was a wonderful would experience you, for me. Would you do it again? Well, you know, I was just on this past holiday season. I was on another Food Network show called Holiday Bacon Championship. So, um, oh, yeah. So I definitely have a couple more shows in me, I think. Yay. <laughs> Just a few left. You have some more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hope so anyway. You know, it kind of okay, takes so a lot out of you. Yeah, it kind of takes a lot out of you doing those shows. But, you know, the experience is always good. But, you know, it's it's a little challenging. So. I can imagine under the conditions that I see on TV, I can imagine the conditions you're experiencing in real life. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. So, as an Absolutely. So as an entrepreneur, what do you think, I mean, whether you were giving advice to any entrepreneur, no matter what field they're in, what do you think is the best thing an entrepreneur can give to his or her audience? To his or her who? I'm sorry, I didn't hear the last Audience, like whoever they're serving. Um, The audience? Your baking and your confections. Um, What's one of the best things an entrepreneur can give to an audience? One of the best pieces of advice that I've gotten from successful business people is that um, it's all about the details. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's just something that I always, whenever I'm doing something, especially if it's a wedding cake or something, like, you know, I do a lot of first birthday cakes. So it's really about right. the details. So I mm-hmm. think that that's the best possible thing that you can do for your client is to examine the details that they like or something that they may have forgotten that they like or, you know, if you're working with a particular bride um, and then you notice something like a pattern on her dress or her favorite color right. may be this or her wedding ring may look like this, if you can mm-hmm. somehow interpret that into what you're doing, you know, in some sort of way, it's really about the details and those people really, really appreciate that. Clients really appreciate that and it usually really makes them extremely happy with you and your services. So the best thing I can say is that, Really um, examine the details and just try to follow those as best as you possibly can because it's really about the details. If it's somebody's birthday and you know that they like red, then, you know, interpret, you know, so kind of get red into their birthday cake or, you know, if they like, you know, peanut butter, put a peanut butter cake together or whatever. So I really think it's Mm -hmm. all about the details. So I love that. Pay more attention to that. Yeah. So when it comes to baking, I feel like, you know, when I was growing up, there wasn't a lot of food shows or food channels. And now food is everywhere. I mean, even people who don't really cook, they're posting their pasta on Instagram, and I made this tonight and everything. And a lot of people are interested in breaking not only into um, baking, but food industry because of money. So what are some tips for 
those interested in really taking their baking or their food to the next level, um, and what are some realistic expectations, if you could give someone advice on that? <laughs> Got it. This is the hard part. Okay. <laughs> um, I think, I mean, because that's like a two-part question, so let's go with the first part. Okay. I think one of the best, um, hmm, I think one of the best tips, wait, can you, well, thank God this is taped. Can you repeat that again? (laughs) (laughs) And we can we do one part and that way I can answer that and then we can do the second part. The first part is for those interested in just breaking into the food or baking industry. What advice you might have for them and then what are some realistic expectations? Okay. In terms of breaking into the industry, one thing, if you're a person that no matter what level you want to, you would love to reach, if you're a person that gives up easily, if you're a person mm-hmm. that, um, you know, if you hear naysayers, if, you know, if you can't accept constructive criticism, um, then it may not necessarily be a good industry for you. Right. The food industry, the food industry, and when you're doing food for people, it's like you're constantly being criticized. And sometimes you're in a public arena, whether it's a review right. on a newspaper or a radio or Food Network or whatever, it's one of those industries that you have to have, kind of have a thick skin. You know, everybody's mm-hmm. not going to like my cake. Everybody's like not going to like my dessert. So, you know, if someone doesn't like it, whether it's a personal or private or major event, you know, you have to kind of be able to absorb that, you know, learn from it and then move on. So that's one of the hardest things about breaking into it because if you're not a person that gives up easily because a lot of doors will be closed in your face, whether you're Mm -hmm. trying to get a a particular cake order or you're trying to get, um, you know, your product in the store, a lot of doors will be slammed in your face. So you have to be able to, to kind of, push through that and come out um, on the better side or the, the other end of it and say, okay, I learned from that and, excuse me, this is what I can do to move on. So right. um, that's one of the hardest things to do is to break, you know, to, to develop a thick skin. And I know I've had to mm-hmm. do that because, you know, when I first started baking, you know, your family's telling you, oh, you know, that you made that, but it could use more of this, it could use more of that. Mm-hmm. And as opposed to getting angry about it, you have to say, okay, well, you know, all right, let me try it again. I'll make it again. I'll add a little more of this. I'll add a little more of that. I'll do it a different way. Right. And, you know, you got to kind of learn from that. So mm-hmm. that's the hard part about breaking into it is developing that thick skin. And okay. um, what was the second part of the question? <laughs> what are some realistic expectations? Because I've seen some people, even in, in any field, they think they're going to get in and they're just going to blow up overnight. What are the realistic expectations that you could offer to someone? You know, be prepared to hear no a lot. Mm-hmm. Be prepared to have doors slammed in your face. Be prepared for people not to uh, return your phone call. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, you know, sometimes I have to be spiritual and a little bit religious about things, sometimes it may not have been a great opportunity. Like I've auditioned for different things or I've tried out for different things and I didn't get it or it didn't work or I didn't get a return phone call or whatever. Sometimes it's, um, it may, that may not be the opportunity that God has in store for you. Right. Um, 
so I think I'm a firm believer in, um, you know, what's for me is for me. You know, mm-hmm. I think that my most successful ventures have been those that have been effortless in um, the process. Right. So, um, you know, you have to be realistic about that. I mean, nobody starts out on top. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You have to do a lot of free events and you have to network a lot with a lot of different people because you never know where your opportunity is going to come from. Absolutely. So, yeah, those are some of the, you know, the the the... the 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 best tips that I can give, you know, you just, you know, you have to work hard. And what I noticed that a lot of the young young kids, I'll just say young kids or young people in general, they don't want to mm-hmm. do the work. You know, they want right. to come out of culinary school or they just want to come out of the kitchen mm-hmm. and, okay, well, I want to do a cake for Jay-Z or Beyonce. Well, you know, you may not <laughs> be able to get there. You may not be able to get there on the first trial. I want to trial for this food network. You may not make that show on the first go around. Sometimes it takes people four or five tries to get on the show. Right. You know what exactly. I mean? So you have to want to put the work in it. You have to pay your dues. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't want to pay their dues. They just want to start off on top, and um, and it doesn't work that way. Every right. chef has a history. And being, a, being um, an African-American chef, you definitely have to pay your dues. It's like even now, mm-hmm. this is 20-plus years of baking, um, I still have to prove myself in a lot of different arenas. You know, I have right. to prove that. You know, I'm just as good as my, my counterparts and my other colleagues, and I deserve to be in this position or I deserve to have this opportunity. So, you know, you have to want to pay your dues. You have mm-hmm. to put the work in. If you don't put the work in, you will get no results. So you have to put the work in. Yes, absolutely. We are trying to put the work in. I hope you guys are listening. So one thing I want to mention is that you shared through this time that we've been talking, you know, your journey. And so you've been able to create visibility for yourself as a pastry chef. How were you able to do that? You know, just starting on your own and your own strength. How were you able to create visibility? Like, I'm here, this is what I'm good at, and this is what I'm doing. Um, you know, in the beginning, I didn't have representation. And so mm-hmm. a lot of doors would be uh, really tough to open because I didn't have, I didn't know the lingo of trying to get onto a TV show, whether it's a local show or a national show, or I didn't have the lingo in communicating with a journalist to, hey, come and interview me for your radio show, whatever. So the, my best visibility has come with having great representation. And if you're not right. at that level where you can hire a publicist or a brand manager or a business manager, um, you have to put the work in and you have to just study. You know, mm-hmm. you have to kind of surround yourself with people that, uh, that, are smarter than you that may be able to uh, kind of maneuver themselves in, in different situations and different environments. So you have to ask around. Just surround yourself with, 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 with great help if you can't afford right. a publicist or you're at that level. Surround yourself with great friends. You know, you have, may have a friend mm-hmm. that may be really good at admin stuff, so maybe she can help you to develop your bio. You may have a friend that's a great right. writer. Maybe they can help you to pitch yourself to this person. So. Mm-hmm. Um, those are some of the things that have helped me. I know early on I was doing everything myself, and once I got mm-hmm. my first show, um, my sister-in-law gave me a great piece of advice. She said, you know what, Pa, you could really um, kind of move your career to the next level if you got representation. And I was like, well, right. you know, I don't know if I can afford it. She said, well, you know, you can be in the kitchen working on recipes or making orders, and then you can take that money and put it toward getting a publicist. So, you know, that's what I did. 
Right. I invested the money. A lot of people don't want to. You have to invest in yourself. It's like investing in your education. You know, Mm -hmm. you have to. You have to make the investment. So. And with investing yourself, how do you keep yourself motivated and grounded? Because everybody gets tired. Everybody gets frustrated. How do you keep yourself strong, centered, and motivated? Um. (laughs) Well, you know. Everybody has their good and bad days. You may have days that, you know, you may not, you know, I have those rainy days or those gloomy days when I say, oh, my God, am I doing this? Am I doing the right thing with my life? And so I just always try to remember that the good have definitely outweighed the bad. And, of course, with Mm -hmm. anything that you really want takes hard work and dedication, and um, you have to be resilient. So... I try to just keep the, the, the positive things that have happened in my life and those moments when, you know, you may do somebody's wedding cake and they absolutely loved it and they contact you to do their, you know, their first child's birthday cake and then they contact you to do the second child's birthday cake or they may contact you once a year to do my birthday cake. So things like that are um, certainly great motivating factors to kind of keep you moving forward. Because, you, know, you know, food is very, it's a very personal thing. And especially if yes, you're making something, because it's a part of you. If you're making mm-hmm. something for someone, you want them to enjoy it. You want them to be mm-hmm. happy and certainly fill their appetite. So it's a very personal thing. So if you have people to reach out to you, whether it's email, phone call, or I thought about you or whatever, um, it's a very personal thing. And so right. I try to keep myself humble in that respect because I'm not the best at anything, and I'm certainly not the worst at anything, but... You know, I have a great support system, and I have a lot of people that continue to call me. And, um, you know, that's a very humbling thing, humbling experience is to, you know, to have people to pick up the phone and think enough of you when there's other people that they could have called, and they certainly have the means to call other people, but they pick up the phone and call you. So that's a very humbling thing in my respect. And then also, you know, I'm the youngest of seven, so, you know, my my family, my family, no matter what I do, they're going to always remind me. Right. <laughs> They're gonna always remind me of that, but no, I have a I have a great support system that's that's gonna always help me to stay my, to to keep my feet planted on the ground. But that's not really who I am anyway as a person. But um, that's that's you know I just try to keep that in in perspective. Is that right. uh, you know people pick up the phone and call me? And I'm like that's good for me because it's you know people have options, and I'm just yeah, glad they, they pick me. Mm-hmm. And I'm just glad Absolutely. that they picked me, so that's a blessing for me. Okay, so I love to ask everyone this really fun question. So if a kid walked up to you asking you for advice and you only had, like, one piece of advice that you had to give them, what would your best life tip be for that kid? It would be advice about what? Just anything? Yeah, just anything. If they had to walk up to you and ask you for your best, piece of life advice, what would you tell them? Um, live it, love it, learn it, and get on with it. Yes, I love that. I'm about to tweet that. <laughs> <laughs> live that it, awesome. love it, learn it, and get on with it. Okay. That goes to life, personal, yeah, personal, professional, anything. <laughs> okay. I just said that yeah, to me we- many, many years ago, and I never really got it when I was like, you know, 19, 18, I didn't really get it, but, you know, now mm-hmm. I'm a little older, I get it, so. 
Right. It registered. <laughs> yeah. I get it. Okay, so what other services, you know, do you offer? What other projects might you be working on right now? <sighs> well, one of the um, biggest things that I'm promoting are my baking classes. Mm-hmm. I will start group classes in September, but I'm also promoting uh, one-on-one personal baking classes as well because some people need, I would prefer one-on-one instruction, so... That's the biggest thing right. that I'm pushing. Baking, you know, cooking classes are really, really big right now, so I'm really, really pushing that. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. I have a lot of different projects coming up. One of my biggest things – hold on. I have to remember. One of my biggest things mm-hmm. is that I have a charity event com- coming up in October, the end of October, called Heart and Soul, and it's mm-hmm. to benefit one of the oldest missions in the D.C. Maryland area. It's called um, – Central Union Mission, right. and I'll be um, on the on the bill with uh, Chef Rock Harper, who um, is the winner of Hell's Kitchen, one of the, right. I can't remember what cycle it was, so I'll be doing a, an event with him, and I did it last year, but this year it's really important because they asked me to do a pastry section of it, like a part of the program, so I'm like, oh my God, this is really okay. a big deal for me. So I'm doing that in October, and I'm going back a little bit. In September, I'm honored to be, again, partnering with my family over at Cuisine Noir Magazine, which is a black foodie magazine right. that I was featured in, and it features a lot of different chefs that I love and admire and I respect. So their um, um, magazine will be featured with Chef Joe Randall on the cover. It will be in the African American Museum at the Smithsonian oh, wow. downtown. So they're doing a really big uh, reception here for that. So mm-hmm. I will be providing desserts for that. So I'm really honored and blessed about that. Um, let's see, I have um, Capital Food Fight coming up as well. I think that's mm-hmm. coming up in November. In October, I do a really good event, another great event called, um, excuse me, it's called Chef for Quality. And that's... Um, right. One of the major people behind that is the um, Human Rights Campaign. And, again, that's um, supporting the um, marriage equality in the, you know, the, the um, United States and the D.C. metropolitan area. Okay. And in between that, I'll be teaching classes and fulfilling orders. Right. And hopefully <laughs> making some more TV appearances and all that Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm trying to Yay. I gotta stay on my grind <laughs> you are grinding for real okay so if people want to find you and take these cooking classes and get connected on your website or Instagram how can we find you online okay my web address is uh, com, and that's no R-S-U-G-A C-H-E-F dot com you can find me on Twitter at SugarChef I think because I always kind of get the names like that. It's at Sugar Chef. You can find me on um, Snapchat, which is what I don't, I'm still kind of learning Snapchat a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the, that's the real Sugar Chef. I really like Periscope better. So um, on right. Periscope, I'm Sugar Chef. And then uh, Instagram, it's Sugar Chef as well, S-U-G-A-C-H-E-F. So, you know, I'm always around. I'm always around. Yes. You are everywhere. Well, I have definitely enjoyed you, Chef Padua. I'm sure everyone else has enjoyed you as well. 
And we will talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was a pleasure. And I really appreciate your support. And um, thank you for the opportunity in doing your show. <laughs> no problem. Take care.